Good morning. Oh, okay, so my name is Noel. Yeah, it's with an N. Um, not with a K-N, like not over the grassy Noel, but Noel, like Noel Coward, the English poet. It's not Nate, yeah, yeah, or Noel or Joel, um, but I've gotten lots of those. No, I'm kidding. Um, hey, yeah, my name is Noel. For those of you all who don't know me, I'm the associate pastor here. Um, so we're almost through with our Vineyard Values series and uh, how I wanted to start this morning is do a little pop quiz. So um, I secretly have this desire to like want to be a professor um, because I think that what I would do if I was a professor at college is the very first day of class, I would be like the meanest, worst professor ever just to see how many people I could weed out. And then the second day of class, we'd have a big party. And if you could make it through my first day of class, right, then it's like, you know, like, oh, that was just a test or whatever. I think that'd be really fun. Um, so we're going to do a pop quiz this morning. Maybe that would be totally not fun. Erin's looking at me over there. She's going to be a professor one day. She's like, that's a terrible idea. Um, I get it. Okay, all right. Um, so we're going to do a little pop quiz this morning. Okay, we're on our last Vineyard Value this week. And then next week, like Scott said, um, he's going to be kind of doing a summary of the series. And then we're going to celebrate our community by going to the Book Hornies, beautiful property and having an awesome potluck picnic with some fun stuff for the kids. They probably won't be screaming like that next week because they're going to be having too much fun. So, um, so please come to that. It's going to be awesome. But before we start our value this morning, let's, um, let's do a pop quiz real quick. And let's see if we can remember in order, in order, okay, our vineyard values. Right? I'm going to give you the first one. Okay, it's a freebie. All right, Scott started the whole series by talking about the history of the vineyard. Right? And how the Holy Spirit grew the vineyard from kind of this ragtag group of hippie churches in Southern California into this really beautiful, global, like over 2,000 member um, association of churches that has a really important role inside the greater body of Christ. Okay? So we started with the history of the vineyard. Then we got to our first value, which was what? Okay, that's partial credit, Steve. I need the I need the kingdom. Well, that just says it all. Do we remember? It was what was our very first value that we went over? So Scott had the history, and then our first value was it has to do with the kingdom. It was the what? It was the theology and what of the. Beautiful. The theology and the practice of the kingdom, okay? That was our first value, right? Okay. That one was rough. Let's see if the rest of them can be better, okay? After that, <laughs> that's, that's my plan. Next Sunday, we're going to have a party. So, um, okay, so after that, right, then our value is part with the Holy Spirit. Very good, okay? After that, Scott said it this morning, we ex- and were <laughs> experience and worship God, right? Maybe we should do this series over again, Scott. I think, man, that's, this is rough. Um, after that, our value is that we are a... That's not yet. We got one more. Actually, we got two more. We got two more, right? Um, okay, that's, 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 that's first. But before that, Scott spoke on what? 
Yes, we are a reconciling community, right? We're reconciling people to God, people to people, and people in creation. And then last week, Susan had a great talk on what? Yeah, compassionate ministry, right. All right, that was like, I'm going to give you a C-, minus, but you made it, okay? We passed. Hey, C's get degrees, right? All right, C's get degrees. Don't tell my parents I said that. Um, okay, so those are our values, and this week we're going to finish with pursuing culturally relevant mission in the world. Um, So we want to proclaim the gospel, right? We want to proclaim this message that the kingdom of God is here, right? And uh, and through the life of life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the kingdom of God is available to us to enter into right now. We want to proclaim that message, um, but we want to do it in a way that is meaningful and actually impactful um, to the various people groups in our world today, right? We're, sometimes, we, sometimes we get stuck in this mindset of what worked in the 1800s or the early 1900s or the 1950s or those of us that are millennials, maybe what we saw in youth group in the late 1990s or early 2000s. Like, we have this idea of how to present the gospel and proclaim the gospel that's kind of stuck in the past. But what happened is around us, the world's changing. Culture has changed, Right? And so we want to present the gospel, we want to proclaim this message in a way that's actually meaningful and relevant to people groups today in the 21st century, okay? So we're going to start this morning by, um, we'll flip the lights off, we have a really short video that's from Phil Strout, he's the director of Vineyard USA. This is a nice kind of summary of this value. Culture. 
drives us in an area that, you, that begins to maybe force us to violate the very essence of what we believe, then we've got a clash, and sometimes these lines get blurred. But culturally relevant, you and I, for the fact that we're here in the 21st century, have been assigned to take this ancient message that is not ours, that is the Lord's. He gave us, we steward something that's ancient, that does not belong to us, and we give it, and we give it, and every generation actually wrestles with the same thing. That's why we're not trying to reach people the way our grandfathers and our great-grandfathers did, or even our fathers necessarily, because culture has changed. What we do is we take this message and we bring it into a way that people today can get, can, can understand it the best way they can. All right, so that's a nice kind of basic summary of what we're going to be talking about this morning. We're going to go a little more in-depth um, so let's, let's uh, start with our text this morning. Okay, our text comes from 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 23. A very famous text. Um, I love this translation of it. It goes like this. Even though in Christ I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have chosen to become a servant to all in order to reach a wide range of people, the religious Jews, the non-religious Gentiles, the strict moralists, the loose living partiers, the defeated, the outcast, the demoralized, whoever the people are. Now, I didn't just change my convictions based on who I was with. I stayed faithful to the way of Christ. But I fully entered their world, and I tried to experience what they experience in their culture. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a Jesus-saved life. I did all this because of the gospel message. See, family, in our text this morning, um, we see that Paul right, purposefully pursued... Um, a culturally relevant mission. He did it all for the sake of Christ and his kingdom. Um, And there are, I think, some really beautiful key parts in here um, that we're going to pull out and see how they can apply to our personal lives. Because when you think about usually like mission, like culturally relevant mission, you, you kind of tend to think of like the greater church body, right? We're very blessed in which we have living missionaries in our, in our body. Right? We have some that are currently out. We have some that were just out and ca- just came back, like Chuck and Mary Nell. We have people who regularly go out to all four corners of the earth and, and practice this culturally relevant mission. And that's kind of what we tend to think about. But really, this value, yes, it does speak to that. It does speak to that. But um, we live in a time and era in which there are like hundreds of cultures and subcultures around us in Central Texas. And so we are missionaries here. Like, this is not just a mission for the Chucks and Mary Nells or the Cathy's. This is our mission here in New Braunfels or Seguin or San Marcos, San Antonio, Canyon Lake, wherever you are today. Okay? Um, so that kind of leaves us with some questions, right? It leaves us with the questions of how do we live out this value, right? How should we pursue culturally relevant mission in our lives, right? How can we spread the gospel message in a way that's meaningful and impactful to all the various cultures around us. I think there are three kind of key things we can pull from this text. The first one is we have to actually be present in those cultures. Look at what Paul says in the text. He says, I fully entered their world, and I tried to experience what they experience in their culture. So when I think of this example from Paul, when I think about um, the idea of being present in the culture, I can't help but think of a young life. 
Okay, so a lot of you guys know this, but for those of you who don't, Young Life is a ministry that kind of partners with communities and churches. And it, it, what happens is adult volunteers, right, decide that they want to reach out into a totally different culture, right, a high school culture. And inside that high school, there are various subcultures, and they want to reach out with the gospel message to all of these people in these cultures. And Young Life is an incredible example of being present in the culture, right? I remember when Kate and I first started dating. Okay, we lived in Lubbock, Texas. I just graduated from Texas Tech University. Get your guns up, right? We actually won yesterday. It's probably the last win we're going to have all season. Um, but Kate was finishing up, and, and while she was uh, finishing up school, she was also working part-time as a student staff for Lubbock Young Life. Okay, and I remember um, I didn't have a whole lot of experience with Young Life whenever Kate and I first started dating. The only experience I had, I had kind of some negative views of it um, that was totally just me being jealous of how effective Young Life was compared to my youth ministry growing up. Um, but um, I'm, I got past that. I realized it's incredible, and, and Kate helped me that. But when we first started dating, um, I rem- it was kind of, kind of odd because her and I had been friends for a while, but as I got to know her deeper and deeper, she kind of began to, to talk a lot about the theater. And uh, I knew she was a dancer, but she, she would, like, use the language, like the thespian language, and she would talk about the theater, and sometimes she would blow me off of dates and go to plays, and, like, she'd have these girls come over, and they'd, like, film skits or, like, funny videos, and I was like, oh, this is a side of you I never even knew existed. Like, I did, but when you get to know Kate, you realize she's not a thespian. She's not, like, a theater nerd. I mean, she appreciates the arts. But anyone that knows Kate knows that she's not, like, super into theater. She didn't do it in high school. What, what was going on in all of that is that Kate was trying to purposefully reach this group of high school girls that were in theater at Lubbock Monterey High School. That was her target audience. And so she decided, how can I be relevant to them? I have to be present in that culture. I don't know much about theater. Okay, I'm going to start doing theater stuff. I'm going to learn the language of the thespian language, right? I'm going to go to their plays. I'm going to invite them over here, and we're going to do theater stuff together. Kate stepped in to their culture. She was present in that culture. And the truth is, I mean, she's present in all kinds of cultures, subcultures in high school today, in New Braunfels. She still does this so well. Kate is excellent at being present. Now, here's the flip side of that, okay? If, if we are too prideful to step into this culture that's different, right? If instead of, of entering in and being present, we kind of sit back in our churchy, comfortable bubble, and we just kind of lob out critiques and criticisms, and, and we talk about how our culture is superior to that culture because they do this, 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 and this, and this, what happens is we have zero voice to impact that culture, and this is really a pretty easy concept. It's literally happening right now in the American church. It's been happening for the last probably 30 years. Okay, maybe even longer than that. All right? And, and what's happened is in the American church, we've kind of been scared. We've seen that culture is changing around us rapidly. And we've kind of been scared to be present in those cultures. And what we've done is we, we've withdrawn. We've withdrawn and, what we've, and we've lobbed critiques and we've talked about how that culture can't be right, and that culture can't be right. And we kind of have this self-righteous attitude about us. And what has happened? We've lost our voice. We have lost our impact. 
right? This message, the most incredible, relevant message in the world, we don't know how to present it anymore in a way that has meaning and impact on all of these various cultures in America because we've been too scared to simply be present in those cultures. So family, let's not sit in our comfortable church bubbles anymore, okay? Let's um, follow the example of Paul. Really, it's the example of God himself, right? And Jesus coming to earth, right? And let's start to be present in these cultures around us. And it's a really simple idea. We can just start with thinking, like, what are the cultures or subcultures that I'm already a part of, right? Am I in the Moms of New Braunfels group or the Dads of New Braunfels group? Do I like to ride my Harley Davidson, okay? Am I a millennial? Am I a college kid? Am I a high school kid? Or is God really leading me to reach out to this various culture, right? The entertainment industry or the legal industry. Like, there's all these cultures and subcultures around us that we're either already a part of or we have an interest in, okay? Let's just start right there. Let's just start right there and start to be present with those people. All right, number two. Once we are present in that culture, right, there's a next step. We need to actively participate in that culture. Okay? Let's look at our passage again. This time, we're going to read from the NIV translation. It says this. When I was with the Jews, that's the present part, I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew. That's the participation part. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from the law so that I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I still obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. Family, once we are present in the culture... Right? That's a good first step, but the next step is we have to actively participate in that culture. Right? We will be better able to serve the culture. We will be better able to proclaim this gospel after we have experienced kind of the cultural staples and traditions and holidays and all the things that make up what a culture is, what makes them unique. After we start to experience that and participate in some of that, it helps us in serving them better, and in bringing the gospel message in a more effective way, right? Paul talks about when I was with the Jews, he what? Lived like a Jew, right? Now, we have to remember for Paul, that wasn't very hard. He was Jewish, right? He was Hebrew, and a really good Hebrew, okay? Um, But what happens after that? He goes on. When I am with the Giles, with the Gentiles, a.k.a. the non-religious, like, partiers, right? When I'm with them... I, too, live apart from the law, right? He participates in some of those Gentile cultural traditions and staples and language. When I am with the weak, I share in their weakness. I think a really kind of easy contextual placement in that is, for example, the homeless, right? When I was with the homeless, I was homeless, That's probably a really good substitution for weakness right there. It kind of takes it from out in the sky and puts it right here. Or maybe when I was with the refugee, I lived like a refugee. Or when I was with the undocumented immigrant, I lived like an undocumented immigrant, right? You can think of weakness all around us, and that can kind of be a heady concept. But we can substitute all of these 
things that are traditionally considered weak in our culture. Church, being present is only part of the battle, right? Paul wasn't just with the people he was trying to reach. He lived like the people. He participated in the culture of those people. And when we participate in the culture alongside those people, right, it does two things to kind of help us better proclaim the gospel. One, by participating in the culture of the group, we gain trust with that group. And what does trust do? Trust breaks down walls. Trust breaks up hard soil and creates fertile soil so that when the seeds of the gospel are thrown out, they can enter into good soil. Trust is what creates better communication. And then number two, by participating in the culture of the group, we ourselves gain a better understanding of how to proclaim and live out the gospel in a way that is relevant and meaningful. Okay? So, Participating in the culture isn't just for their sake so that they can hear us better. It's for our sake. It helps us better understand how to shape the message. Now, notice, I didn't say how to change the message. Okay? The message is never going to change. Right? Like Phil talked about, we have this incredible, true story lived out by Jesus himself. Right? We don't get to change that. But, but it is incredibly important that we are wise in shaping how we present that message in a way that is actually meaningful and impactful, and that the people we are trying to reach can actually understand and receive it. Okay? <clears throat> I think a good example of this, I have a friend who's a classmate of mine at Fuller, still a good friend of mine, and um, he, right after quitting seminary, actually, um, he took a job as a pastor at a super rural church in northern Ohio, okay? Now, he didn't take this job because he, like, connected with the rural ray of life. He is actually an urban boy, grew up in a city, a Midwestern manufacturing town where everything was paved with concrete, right? He didn't have, like, some connection to, to this rural culture, but I think he took the job because they just had a baby and he needed some money and they gave him a house with it. So it was like, okay, let's do this. Um, and it moved him a little closer to the family. So him and his wife and his son, they moved to northern Ohio and he took over as the pastor of this, like, dying church. I mean that in the most literal way possible. Like, literally everyone who was going to the church was over 70 and, like, they were dying, like, monthly. Like, losing members because of death, Right? Like, this church was on its way out, and it had been for a while. And, and so, you know, he's this new young guy, pastor of a church. He sees a church that's dying, and he's like, oh, my gosh, we got to do something. we got to change something. I want this church to be thriving and relevant in this community. So he goes to the Methodist conference that had hired him. He talks to his elders, and, and they have this idea, um, the Methodist conference does, that um, there were these suburban churches in Ohio that were doing really well and they were thriving. And, and so let's look at what they're doing. They're growing and let's try to kind of make that, let's follow that model in this church in rural Northern Ohio. Um, and, and so, you know, that means we need to be a little bit hipper. Let's rebrand the church a little bit, be a little more urban, a little younger. Let's go super contemporary. Um, you know, after all, they kind of had this thought that everyone who lived out in the farm secretly wanted to live in the big city anyway. So let's kind of bring that, bring that pizzazz to them. That was their idea. And Tyler was a young pastor, didn't want to get fired like two weeks after he took the job. So he was like, okay, let's try this. Um, so they kind of rebrand the church. 
and um, they bring in a really hip young worship guy, and, um, and they're doing this for like a year, and they're still just dying off one by one. Nothing is changing, right? And, and, and you know, it's, Tyler realizes like, hey, this is not working. We've created this other culture, and we're asking people to leave their culture and come to this thing because we think it's better, and we think it's the right way to do church. And truthfully, we haven't done the hard work of really seeing what their culture is like and entering into their culture. So, a year goes by, and the church is still going nowhere. He's scared you're not going to have a church in even six months. So he does lots of praying. Him and I talk a lot. He talks to his, his, his bosses at the conference again. And, and they decide to totally revamp the church for a second time. And what they do is they create this thing called Farmhouse Sabbath. So after a year of seeing how trying to draw people to a different culture wasn't working, um, he decided, how can we participate in the cultural staples of rural Ohio. And, and what he noticed about the culture that he was in is, one, people loved that they were rural. They loved the land. They wanted to sow and plant until, like, that was what they did. They loved the land. They didn't want paved over sidewalks and more big buildings. They loved the space. They loved the land. They were an agrarian culture. They loved food. They loved slow slow, like long, like three-hour meals where they would literally like get the milk from the cows that they, you know, they like, they grew the food themselves on this place. And then they'd get their friends over from 14 acres away to come and they would have like a three-hour meal. You know, they loved that. They loved whiskey, loved whiskey, right? There is a proud culture in this North part of northern Ohio in which they have breweries and distilleries and people love that they make their own alcohol and so Tyler is realizing all right these are kind of the cultural staples that I'm planted in how is this church going to be relevant um so they created this thing called farmhouse sabbath and what it is what it is is it's a friday evening style of church and part of the the church property was this old barn Okay, that was pretty much being used for storage, like all the sound equipment and stage lights and all the stuff that they thought would work. And they cleared all that out. They renovated this barn. And, uh, and what they decided to do is we're going to have church on Friday nights. And, um, and what we're going to do is we're going to have tables and we're going to ask people to come in and bring their food. And we're going to make this like a four or five hour long event, a slow meal. We're going to have a stage with bluegrass music and dancing. And we're going to tell people if they want to bring in their alcohol, their beer, their wine, their whiskey, that's fine. And what we're going to do is we are going to have a discussion style of teaching. We're going to discuss parts of our faith around the table slowly and longly. And we're just going to enjoy being together. No lights, no microphones. It's just going to be a rural way of church. And, and family, ever since the church started doing that about two years ago... They've seen that, like, stuff is happening in Metamora, Ohio, right? This is a community of about 600 people. I think it's like 611, okay? At the last farmhouse Sabbath they had a couple weeks ago, they had 350 people. 300, that's more than half the town showed up to this barn-style party church that they did, right? And I think what happened is they finally realized we can't draw people to a different culture. We have to be present and we have to participate in their culture. And that's how we gain trust. That's how we gain community. That's how we gain friendship. And that's when people begin to be open to what the Holy Spirit is doing. 
So family, let's not just be present in cultures that are around us. Let's actively participate in the cultures. Number three, as we are present in the culture, as we are participating in the culture, we must remember to protect the true essence of the gospel and protect our faithfulness to Christ's kingdom. Again from Paul. I have chosen to become a servant to all in order to reach a wide range of people, right? To reach the religious Jews, the non-religious Gentiles, the strict moralists, the loose living partiers, the defeated, the outcast, the demoralized, whoever the people are. Now, I didn't just change my convictions based on who I was with. I stayed faithful to the way of Christ. You see, family, being culturally relevant sometimes means that we can't just fly willy-nilly into culture and become total consumers, Right? In all things, we have to exercise wisdom and discernment. Right? And there's going to be times in which we come up to a cultural tradition, holiday, staple, and we have a choice to make. We can't just fully step in and participate. Right? And I think we can see this, like a really good example of this in the American culture. Because what has happened in the church right, is we have this gospel message. We have this faith that's been passed down through the fathers, for generations and generations. And, and what's happened is slowly through hundreds of years, we've kind of let the American culture infiltrate and change the message. Or it's changed our faith. And now in a lot of parts of America, it's assumed that to be like a true follower of Jesus, you have to be like a red-blooded conservative American patriot. Right? That, that's, that's the truth. In some parts of America, that's what's believed. And we know that that's not a, requisite, like a prerequisite for being a follower of Jesus. We know that that's not the case. We know that the gospel message doesn't have anything to do with pulling yourself up by your bootstraps or the American dream. Right? But what's happened is we haven't exercised wisdom and discernment, and we've let our American culture kind of attack the message. It's attacked our faith a little bit. We have to stay in a sense of protecting ourselves. We must be careful when we encounter all the various things that go along with these cultures that we're going to enter into. Right? The arts, the language, the food, the traditions, the customs and holidays. Right? We have a choice to make about what we do with it sometimes. And I think a really practical question we can ask is one that I got from a professor at Fuller when I was taking a class on world missions. The question, so it's kind of a series of questions. It goes like this. I think it's up on the screen. Does this cultural staple encourage a faithful life with Jesus? Does it fight against a faithful life with Jesus? Or is it mixed? Is it somewhere in between? Parts of it encourage, parts of it discourage. And the follow-up question goes like this. If it fights against faithfulness to Jesus, or if it's a little bit of both, right? can it be redeemed by God into something that does encourage life with Christ? So as an example, going back to my friend Tyler, right? When they were doing this farmhouse Sabbath, these barn parties, right? One of the things that kind of gave them a little bit of hang-up was the idea of having alcohol there as part of the Friday night church service. They never really called it a church service, but it was, for all intents and purposes, it was a church service, right? And, and I remember this was kind of giving him some, some question. He was praying through it a lot. He called me, talked to me about it. And, and see, the thing is... Um, there's kind of this stigma attached to faith in Christ and alcohol a little bit, right? And I think the stigma may, may come from a very, you know, a more hyper-conservative, like fundamentalist kind of view of Scripture. And, uh, but, you know, the truth is, 
um, that stigma has kind of made its way in reputation across the entire country. Um, so Tyler was like, what do we do about alcohol? This is such an important cultural tradition for them. They love to brew their own beer. They love to distill their own spirits. They love to share it with others. They're very proud of it. They even make their own labels. Like, this is a very, this is part of rural Ohio, and I don't just want to lob critiques at it and saying, no, you can't follow Jesus and do this. So, through lots of prayer, through talking with his elders, through talking with the conference, they realized that they were going to be okay with it. They were going to allow this cultural staple to be part of this Friday night barn party, but they were just going to simply be open and honest about it. And they were going to ask people that, yes, we encourage you to bring your brewed beer and to bring your spirits and your whiskey. Um, But out of respect for setting a good example for our children, there's a lot of kids here, and out of respect for our community, for the other drivers on the road, and for our police. Um, This was kind of an interesting thing. In rural communities, um, I, I shouldn't say all rural communities, but especially in his rural community in Ohio, there was a very healthy respect for the police. Um, there was a really healthy respect for, for, it was just, they were very looked up to. And so he thought, okay, let's kind of tap into that a little bit and say, hey, out of respect for the police, you know, who are trying to enjoy their Friday nights also and don't want to be out here having to, you know, mingle with any messes on the highway or whatever, like, can we limit ourselves to two drinks? Please bring as much as you want, share it with others of age, but limit yourself to two drinks And that way, we're all in the right state that we can enjoy this together. We can set a good example for our children. We can respect the community, respect other drivers, respect the police. And when they were open and honest about that with the people they invited, they said, yeah, absolutely. Like, we, the last thing we want to do is, you know, cause Officer Miller to have to, you know, come back from a dinner with his wife because we drank too much and got, you know, in a wreck on the road or whatever. And so, and so what happened is, like, he, he saw this kind of mixed thing in the culture, and instead of just saying, eh, we can't do that, or instead of flying all in with it, right, he sought wise counsel, he prayed, he used discernment, he decided God can redeem this. God can redeem the negative parts, and, and if we're open and honest about it, he can turn it into something really beautiful, something really healthy that creates you know, open conversation and dialogue. You see, family, we will, come ag- we will come up against these challenges when we engage in these various cultures and, and subcultures around us. And the answer isn't always easy, right? It's not always yes, it's not always no. Um, in my experience, most of the time, right, there are parts of it that definitely encourage a life in the kingdom, and then there are parts of it that don't. But God always tells me, wait, I'm redeeming this other part. I'm redeeming this other part. Right? I'm going to redeem this so that people can be fully Jewish. They can be Muslim. They can partake in these cultural things and still follow me faithfully. And I think it's really incredible that God always tells that to me. And, you know, and a lot of times I've waited and I've seen how he's redeeming the parts of the culture so that they lead into a life with him. So, family, some things to think about in living out this culturally relevant mission. One, let's choose to be present in the cultures around us, right? It starts with us. We can't just sit back in our church bubbles. If we are going to reach every nook and cranny of creation with the life-changing gospel, we have to step into those cultures. We can't just create this other thing and expect people to come to us. It doesn't work like that. Number two, once we are present Let's decide to actively participate as much as we can. 
as much as is healthy. Because number three, as we participate, sometimes things may not be healthy. And we have to remember to protect our faithfulness to Christ and protect the true essence of the gospel. So this morning for Kingdom Time, um, I'd like for us to just kind of break into groups that are around us, maybe three or four. I think the smaller groups, the better. Um, Because I I want us to kind of just not just listen to this and then let it go away when we go to lunch, you know, at Rudy's or whatever after this. Like, I want us to actually soak it in and think about, okay, like, this is a, there's something for me here. Like, I am in or I'm interested in a culture around me and I haven't stepped into that yet for the sake of Christ. So, um, break into small groups and, and let's kind of ask and answer these questions. Number one, what culture are you currently a part of or do you sense a calling or do you sense a calling to reach? And then as part of that, how can you begin to be more present in that culture? What's an like, actual practical step you can take to enter into that culture? And then after that, how can you more actively participate in that culture? Maybe some of you guys are already really present and you're doing a great job. Now it's time to step up in participating. And then lastly, have you ever had an experience in which you engaged in something cultural because it fully encouraged life with Christ. I think one of the coolest things is, uh, <laughs> this is going to sound really silly, but in my Southern Baptist upbringing, there is this um, really uh, negative opinion of yoga. Okay? And, um, and yoga, you know, took the country by storm. I remember it starting in, like, the early 90s. I was probably, like, seven or eight years old. And, and yoga really began to kind of take off. And, and my church was not about that. Because they were like, it's new age. It's going to lead away from Christ. Don't do it. And I remember slowly over time, right, there were people who had vibrant lives with Jesus who realized, hey, Taking some time to, like, relax and meditate on the goodness of God and of Scripture, it doesn't lead apart from, like, it actually brings us closer to Jesus, right? No, we don't have to fully engage in, like, some of the New Agey stuff, but we can participate in yoga and let God redeem all the great parts of it. And let's just focus our attention instead into being present, being there in the presence of God. I thought that was so cool. Um, so maybe like you, you've stepped into something that's cross-cultural and you were like, yeah, this is, you know what? If we actually think about it a different way, this fully leads to Christ. This is awesome. Let's do this as much as we can. Or, um, maybe you allowed God to redeem something cultural that was discouraging at first, but through time you saw that he was redeeming it into something encouraging. Or have you ever had an experience in which you decided that, you know what? I can't fully participate in this because there's no way that it can be redeemed. It is going to affect my faithfulness to obeying Christ, or it is going to affect the message, right? It's not going to affect how I present the message. It's actually going to affect the real message, right? It's going to, we're going to add some sort of adjective to gospel, and we can't do that, okay? So let's break up into small groups if possible. Let's spend, you know, 10 minutes or so, um, you know, seven to 10 minutes kind of talking about this, and I'll come up and pray for us, and we can go get our kids and uh, go get some lunch, okay? All right, love you guys.